Well, the reverse argument is that the internet is full of evil, mm -hmm. that the internet is Satan's playground. Mm -hmm. um, my personal, how would I, how, do you, how do I say this? Like my, my pushback is, look, if there's a place that the Holy Spirit won't work because he's scared of Satan, then why in the world do I trust him to lead me anywhere else? You're listening to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast with Sarah Kinzer and Hector Martinez, part of the TCD Podcast Network. All right. Hey there, Jeff from the Church Digital, Digital Church Network here. We're going to get you back to the podcast here in a second. Sarah, Hector, thanks for letting me borrow the audience. Church, we've got an incredible opportunity to help churches like yours connect with spiritual explorers digitally. Now, maybe you've heard of this thing, He Gets Us. You've seen their ads on the NFL games or social media or even billboards around town. You see, He Gets Us is a U.S.-based ad campaign that connects people seeking spiritual answers with pastors and volunteers who have the answers to these spiritual questions and ultimately connects them to your physical or digital church. This is a great opportunity that's only going to expand as He Gets Us is running several Super Bowl ads. That's right. Imagine the potential reach and your church can be a part of this for free. That's right. You get 12 months of He Gets Us, 12 months of Spiritual Explorers, 12 months of the technology, uh, the platform, all of it for free. No strings attached, no hidden fees. We just want to get people connected to God through the church. So here's what we want you to do. For more information and to sign up, go to thechurch.digital slash He Gets Us. That's thechurch.digital digital slash he gets us or for questions feel free to text me 484-324-8724 hector sarah let me hand it back to y'all thank you welcome to the pocket pulpit podcast so so glad to to be here and to just be exploring social media ministry what is social media ministry who can do it uh, are there rules to social media ministry? Well, that's what we're exploring. Pocket Pulpit, we are part of the Church Digital Podcast Network. I got to put the podcast in there. Uh, but the, the Church Digital Network, which is a, a great uh, assortment of people doing digital ministry, planting digital churches, seeing the work of the gospel out in digital spaces. And so if you've got any questions about that, please, please visit the church digital.com. No, it's just the church.digital. Yeah. The church. The church.digital. Please go visit the church.digital. My name is Hector. And today I've got my co-host Sarah. Hey, hey. Hello, hello. And uh been for months. What you haven't? I know. It's been a while. Um, hey, so we have always said that we're real on the podcast. You know, there's no fluff. There's no, you know, we are not, not who we are. I don't know how to, how to even pronounce we are this. We are. we are who we are. We're not who we aren't. And so, <laughs> so today's episode's a little bit uh, raw, a little bit uh, scripted. They all are, but today's episode for sure. Um, Sarah, mm -hmm. what are we talking about today? Well, I wanted to talk about, I think for a while, I've wanted to talk about the pushback against online church and using social media for ministry and all of it. Lately, 
I've been hearing, and I think it's important to address because lately I've been hearing, I mean, people were on board and trying it and then they got tired of it. And lately I've been hearing people who were willing to consider it before just sort of losing interest and, and moving from like, yeah, let's think about it. Let's talk about it into the space. That's just like, I mean, it's social media is a dumpster fire and Mm. we should just abandon it. Yeah. Um, And so I think it, it's just time that we have a conversation where we address the pushback to social media and the church on it or church online. And um, I tweeted about this a while ago. I think it was back in the spring. I tweeted, you know, any critique of online church, I believe can also be applied to in-person church. Mm-hmm. I think there's one there's one critique of online church, and we'll get to that later, that is pretty specific to online church and valid and fair and is personally hard for me to think through. But for most of them, I think that there is good, reasonable response to the pushback. And I also think that it is critique that can be applied to the church and not just in person versus online. So saying that, Hector, tell me a tell me a thing that you hear people say. Ooh. Um I think one of them that really, you know what? Screw it. Uh <laughs> one of them that really kind of sticks with me is that the Holy Spirit can't work in digital spaces. The Holy Spirit can't work in digital spaces. I have heard that as well. Yeah. So, you know what? Let's talk about it cuz I've been I've been stewing on this one for a little while. Yeah. Um, and and the reason is is that I think first of all, what do we know of what the Holy Spirit wants to do? I think from like a base like why why box the holy spirit in that way the, the, you look through the story of scripture and the holy spirit works in a myriad of ways ways yeah. that do not make sense sometimes uh ways that make us kind of go really this is the way that you worked in this situation and and sometimes in ways that go yeah that makes sense uh but <laughs> to say that well the holy spirit can't work in a specific place especially when the reverse argument and i think we've said this uh, on the show when the reverse argument is that the internet is full of evil mm-hmm. that the internet is saint's playground mm-hmm. um my personal how would I, how, do you, how do i say this like my my pushback is Look, if there's a place that the Holy Spirit won't work because he's scared of Satan, then why in the world do I trust him to lead me anywhere else? And anything, like, because if he's scared to go places because it's not doable, why the heck would I trust that power in me? You know, scripture tells us that the same spirit that is in me is the the spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And I think that point is made to say that the spirit is powerful. It is in you um, to conquer all, to, to walk into all situations, confident without fear. And here we are saying, actually the Holy spirit 
has no desire to go into this place because they can't work. They yeah. can't, you know, the Holy Spirit cannot uh, be effective in this place. And so yeah. anyway, that that's a critique that I hear that uh, to me is very, uh, it just doesn't work. It's just not, for me, it's not a valid critique. When you were, when you were um, discussing that, I thought to myself, in the Bible, we have a story of a donkey speaking. Mm-hmm. The Lord speaking through a donkey. The, yes. Like, the Lord can speak through a donkey, but he can't speak through the internet? Like, that yeah. feels silly. Yeah. Um, oh, but... <laughs> I'll try not to go off on um, the donkey. I, I had some thoughts about the donkey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but there actually is like, it is one of my favorite stories. And um, I don't know if you started here so that I could tell my favorite story, Hector. But the story of um, Jesus and the centurion. And so Jesus is like on his way and what happens first is he comes, a leper comes to him and is looking to be healed. And he touches the leper and he heals them. And this is surprising because nobody's touching lepers. And so he touches the untouchable. And then he goes into, I think, Capernaum. And um, this centurion comes up, this Roman, this other outsider comes up and says, hey, my servant who I care a lot about is back home. And he is really sick. Um, And I would like you to heal him. And Jesus said, should I go and heal him? And the centurion says, I'm not like, you shouldn't know. I'm not worth having, like, who am I that you should come in my home? But here's what I know is that when I say to do stuff, because of my position, people do what I tell them to do. I believe that you are in the position to tell sickness to go and it will go, that you have all authority and all you have to do is speak the word and jesus says that he has never seen faith like that and that's the kind of faith i want if if jesus believes and so first he touched the untouchable and healed him and then um without a touch he healed he showed like that he is not limited and if jesus doesn't feel constricted by proxemics by he didn't feel like if I'm not there I can't do anything then I have I have no problem saying that ministry that healing that life can be given remotely I even think about um when Lazarus dies Jesus had stayed away and then He comes and Mary and Martha say the same thing to him. They say, if you were here, this wouldn't have happened. And he weeps and he didn't weep because he was surprised to find out that like, shoot, I waited too long. I waited too long. And, and he didn't weep because he didn't know the end of how this would turn out. Um, He weeped, he weeped, he wept over their hurt and their hurt was derived from the fact that they didn't understand that just because he wasn't located with them didn't mean that he wasn't 
in control and couldn't heal. Um, and he did, he healed. He doesn't need to be in the room. He can heal in a room and he can heal from a distance. So if Jesus is okay with remote ministry, I'm okay with remote ministry. Let's go. Yeah, I think even I was kind of thinking through, you know, the, again, I think the theme is like this box that we try to put church and ministry in. And I was even thinking about like the fact that our tag is social media ministry, because we're not necessarily talking about a social media church, a social media gathering, a social media assembly of people, right? We're talking about like just the simple, like we're simplifying it to simplifying and and not in the sense of like dumbing it down but just bringing it down to its core of like can you do ministry can you minister to people serve needs through the medium of social media and can you build relationship through the medium of social media and i think the church online what's that the church being the church online absolutely right and and i think part of part of that is that even like i guess I think when I think about like the argument that is, you know, what's, you don't even know who you're actually talking to. It's like, well, if a church is doing its job, the church doesn't know who it's actually talking to from a, let me get on a platform and preach. And like, you don't know where that goes out. Right. Scripture tells us God's word doesn't go out void. Like, why it doesn't return void? Why? Because we don't know. We don't actually know. We want to pretend that we do, and we want. To, and and maybe that's why we're so obsessed with numbers. We want to know. We want to know that we're having impact. But I think it helps us to get closer to like God. This is in your hands. Like I want to build relationships, and absolutely that's a goal. But like I don't know where these words will end. Yeah. Right. They're going to go where you have them to go. You shared a story, I think, last week. Um, I can't remember if it was on last week's recording or not, but just a story of, like, here is a post that wasn't even recent. And it it crossed paths with someone who needed to hear that. And here's the work of the Holy Spirit online. So yeah. I think I'm still hung up on that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. I thought of, I was thinking of that when I was preparing some material for a training this week. And I called that the moment that matters. Mm. Like that is one of the things that social media ministry provides. And that is that at, at the moment where a person does not, is in crisis, mm-hmm. um, often they don't have an in-person per- person presence with them to provide care. They may be at home alone. They may, and they may leave a crowd to go isolate Mm -hmm. and they may shut down and shut people out, but often they still have their phone. They still have access to social media. Yeah. And I can think of not just the person that um, I'm thinking of from the last month, but I can think of many others who were in that situation where when they had the moment that matters, they were able to have access to help 
they were, they put something out there and they were able to receive help because either somebody responded to a text or a DM or somebody saw what they were posting and responded in concern for them. Yeah. 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 Um, so you were talking about gathering though, and, and yeah. we talk about the church being the church online, but we also do talk about online gatherings. Yes. We do talk about that. Um, one pushback that I hear people say is that um, digital church, if we offer church online, if we live stream, then people will just stop coming to church. They'll just, they'll be like, you know what, actually, I am a capable, able-bodied person who is just solely lazy. And this is the some reason that I am no longer coming to an in-person experience. I am staying at home because I prefer my pajamas to appeal. So first, my initial reaction is to say, if somebody would prefer their pajamas to your pew, maybe you should evaluate what your pew has to offer. At the beginning of the pandemic and everything shut down, people would say, we have to get people back in person. We have to get them back into this building. And they would say, for some, this is the only community they have. That hour a week is the only community they have. And other people took that and were like, absolutely. And were, were like inspired by that. And that crushed my heart. Because if, if for some people, the only community they have is one hour on Sunday morning where they are sitting quietly next to someone. That's not actual community. That's not community. You speak, you speak a lot more about what you believe community is, what you value is in your time as a church staff or church leadership or church volunteers, what you're empowered. You speak so much as you begin to unravel this hour, hour and a half service is the only community someone else has. My next question is, well, how long have they been in that community? Because yeah. if, they, if they've been in for one to two weeks, sure, absolutely. But if you've got someone who's been in your church body, church family, let's talk about that one. Uh, if they've been in there for one, two, three, four, five years, and this is their only community, that speaks more about the church's, you know, ethos and value system and culture than it speaks about someone who is or isn't willing to come to a physical in-person gathering. Yeah. And I, I don't think that anyone is suggesting that for those people in that situation, there should be no in-person support for them. It should all just switch to virtual. No. Nobody is suggesting that. Like it would be a beautiful thing if they're if they're people who they had established connections with um offered that support. And I do know that there are people, I mean, I'm not trying to suggest that there aren't people involved in in-person ministry who are showing up for people. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. It would be ridiculous to suggest that. Um I'm just suggesting that um how we talk about community like you said it shows what we think about community um the thing when they start when people start talking about uh gathering they'll say well it um the problem is that is it hebrews i'm going to say hebrews yeah 13 24 or 10 24 and 25 right that 
do not give up gathering. Yes, it says, and let us consider, so they'll say, Hebrews 10 says, we're not to give up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing. And um, when you look at that, it's housed inside, the verse says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The writer isn't asserting that we should meet together so that our bodies may be in proximity to one another. The purpose of the meeting isn't physical connection. It is to spur one another on toward love and good deeds and to encourage one another. So that if the meeting stops, the problem isn't that people's bodies are absent from one another. It is that their love and the encouragement and the spurring one another on to good deeds. That's what's missing, not flesh. Yeah. There's one other, there's, oh, the other gathered verse is, um, well, the Bible says that wherever two or three are gathered, there I am. Hey, Hector, do you know the context of that? Church discipline. Church discipline. Is it Ecclesia? Is it Ecclesia? No. It's Ecclesiology, whatever. That's why I don't try to say <laughs> smart words. Smart words. Smart words. I keep my words to about like seven or eight letters, and that's it. Yeah. I sometimes I, I like to say them. I like to thank them, but when I say them, I get nervous. Anyway, it's not about the design of the church, and it's not as like a the secret sauce for summoning the spirit. If if it were so that you had to have two or three gathered or else the Holy Spirit wouldn't be there. Like, what does that say about God? Yeah. It says that he abandons us when we're alone. When someone is abandoned, he also walks. Yeah. When, when people are forsaken, he turns his back on them. That's not the kind of God we have. Yeah. Yeah. Is, and, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that, uh, I hate that verse. I'm just kidding. I don't hate it. I just, I hate the way people misapply it. I hate the misinterpretation because, you know, it's even in, you know, just the way that we have taught people to use it. I mean, let's be real. Like this is, I actually saw a thread yesterday about someone saying, um, you know, in seminary, the kind of the joke is that like, hey, this is the real context of this verse, but don't tell your people that they can't handle it. And I think that sentiment is the same thing when we allow certain verses to certain interpretations of certain verses to take root in the way that we speak and the way that we talk from stage, from leadership, from within the church, that if we don't take the time to say, like we just said, hey, this is about church discipline. Yeah. And so I understand the, like the heart behind wanting to hold on to this is like where two or three are gathered, Jesus is, is there. It's like, is that true? Absolutely. But it's true because there's something further inward that's truer, that Jesus does not leave or forsake his people, that Jesus is with them, that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us is the same spirit that raised him from the dead. So we're in community with God always. And so, uh, or the access that, let me clear clear up the access to the community with god is there always and if we're not careful 
like like the the what's the word I'm looking for is is the carelessness to let that continue uh, because of what it communicates. And I think that's really is a theme of what we're talking about or what when we critique something, what we're communicating is something very dangerous, the, the opportunity to communicate something dangerous. So, yeah. All right. What's the next one, Hector? What do you hear people say? Oh, what do I hear people say? I hear people say a lot of things, Sarah. <laughs> I've also been away from a lot of people. So what do I hear people say? It's not even real life. I've heard that one. It's not mm -hmm. even real. It's not even real life. Online social media isn't real life. To an extent, I can agree in that, like, yes, it's a cure, like what people share is curated. But isn't that what we're supposed to do is go into all the corners of society and the way that we engage and interact is supposed to be different. We talk about that all the time, sending our kids to schools and, hey, your life should be so different that people ask what's, what's different. And all that it is is an intent thing. So, yes, some people curate, most people curate, whatever. But if we don't offer a space to say, hey, it can be different, uh, and then be consistent with that, like, why not offer a place to be real? Why not offer a, a place to say, hey, you don't have to pretend. I'm not going to pretend that my life is all together, that I have everything I want, that I am okay. And I'm going to offer that space for you as I interact with you. And not in a place to then say, well, if you're not messed up, you're not being real. You know, in the, in the sense of like, you don't box in what it has to be or what it needs to be moved into necessarily as far as what does it mean to show up authentically? You know, um, if someone's having a great day, let them have a great day, you know? And if they are proud of the meal that they made, absolutely let them post it. But then engage about like, why do you like the meal? What is it about cooking that you like? And you start to build relationships in this real space. It's real because real people are there. Yeah. I was thinking this morning, my mind was on like, there's the critique that you can, that it's very easy to put off a false front. You don't know, like you said, you don't know who these people are, but it is just as easy to put that false front up in person. The issue is not the filter of online. It is the filter on the heart that is hiding a heart that is intending to distort the voice of God and distort the image of God. Here's some other, here's some other ones. You ready for some other ones? I'm ready because I couldn't <laughs> come up with any more. So, okay. One is it is designed for people to consume. All it does is plays for the person. And that partners with, um, with the critique that you cannot serve from your couch. You can't serve from your sofa, which we can turn right around and say, I think that it, it's pretty clear that the design of a lot of American Christianity right now is consumeristic. We are trying to come up with a good product to sell to people, to 
feed to people and they don't feed themselves the rest of the week. You know, they, we just give them what we can give them and they have to wait the rest of the week or they, they get stuff online throughout the week to feed them. If a person hasn't been trained to create what they need to consume, then they are going to behave as consumers. We have given, we have fed the church on milk, you know? And that has been the, that is the situation both online and in person. Yeah. Not the fault of online, just the state of, the state of things. Yeah. You know what you can't do online, Hector? What can't you do online? You can't hug people. Mm. I will tell you that I like a good hug. I, I do too. <laughs> um, but sometimes when I hear that, I get a little creeped out. Because it's like... You can't hug people. It's like you can't... Like, I understand you can't hug people. You can't put your hand on the shoulder. You can't brush a tear away. You can't invade their personal space. You can't um, step inside their personal bubble and refuse to get out. You can't talk to them in the bathroom under the stall when they just wish that you wouldn't. Um, there are- there Yeah, are ask them gossip in person. How about that one? You can't ask them gossip. I mean, yeah, you can do that. Um, I, I don't know anything about that, but I, I understand that people can accomplish that in person. If somebody said, the main reason that they prefer in person is because they can hug people. What would you think? Well, I think, you know, my critique about someone wanting a hug is like, that's cool. But do the other people want hugs? <laughs> you know, like this is a, a personal value over a, you know, well, what does the person across from me want? Which is really selfish. It's, it's not thinking, again, this is from a high level. It's not thinking about, well, what are the needs and desires of the people across the aisle for me? You know, and, and that's true relationship where everyone gets a say of, this is how I want to be involved in this relationship. Not necessarily you dictating, you know, that everyone has to be involved in a certain way. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, and I think that there's a time and a place for a hug. Like yeah. I hug people. I um like and there is um you know science behind that people like touch um is healing to people, you know, and that it improves our mental state. Um that doesn't mean that everything needs to be treated with touch. Um, there are times that, um, if you introduce physical contact into a situation, you might actually shut a person down. Mm. Like I understand the appeal of a hug, but there's more to ministry and more to church than just walking around hugging each other. So the critique that I have the hardest time with, okay. Maybe you will have good insight on this one because I, you know, you've gone to the virtual. I mean, you went to attended DJ Soto's virtual church, yeah. You went and check that out in the metaverse. No, 
Wait, um, no, 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 wait. Yes, I did once. I did. Well, I watched a YouTube video of it. I have. I don't have the VR uh, capabilities yet, but uh, yeah. Well, okay. So anyway, the one that holds that I get held up on is the sacraments. That's the only critique of online church that I go. I can, I can feel you. I can hear you. Yeah. And that is difficult. And that part of that is my own, um, my own experience of like sitting in my house, trying to take communion with like, even when I was prepared, it felt like, I mean, generally the grape juice I had around was like a great Capri Sun Roaring water or you know it just didn't feel correct yeah um and i do have thoughts about about communion like um this is you know whether it can be what can be communion you know what is what can you take for communion um and what is actually the purpose and the meaning of right, it. right? But I, but I understand that there is something really sacred about gathering with other people and sharing communion. Yeah. Now, I can say that if a if there's an online service and at someone's home, they are gathered and they are joining one another. There's like, you know, a family watching the service together, who had their acts together better than I did with my family trying to take communion during the pandemic. Or, you know, two neighbors have gotten together and they're watching it together. And there's this online church service that includes communion. Yes. They are a gathered body. Does it really change that the instructions, that the direction is not located in the same room with them? Well, and, and then I would bring the critique back of where two or more are gathered, Jesus is there with them, right? And so it's, again, it, it's all these interconnected arguments that we we kind of go, we suspend them for, because we're having another argument, right? Yeah. Um, the idea of communion, right? And let's talk about scripture is like, the the scripture that gets read at communion most often is that of Paul chastising the church and saying, you're doing it wrong. You know, yeah. you're waiting, you're, you're, you're getting drunk and getting your fill of food and not waiting for everyone else to show up to the meal. And that's not how this goes, you know? And so let's be like consistent. There are all sorts of traditions and, you know, uh, theological thoughts about how communion happens, but the majority that I don't, I see them as aren't an actual meal. And so let's be consistent in our critique. We can say, hey, I'd like to be in person. But if we, if Paul is chastising the church for, you not, you didn't wait for everyone to show up to the meal before you started indulging. And you're indulging. You didn't take your fair share. You're selfish. <clears throat> These are the things that they're not Christ-like is what Paul's getting at. You didn't wait for the entire gathering. Let's be clear. That this was a meal right yeah. so 
again, because we use it as this, like, here's Paul on the night that Jesus was, right? And it's like, but what he's doing is he's correcting something that was wrong. Yeah. That was not honoring to the entire assembly. And so I think when we get to that level of, hey, we have preferences, we are fighting selfish preferences um, sometimes, but we have to be careful that we don't take those and elevate them above love for one another. I, I think about like, just thinking about the difference in communion as the early church, you know, practices wow. compared to how we do it. Like even when people use the, they'll say um, the Hebrews verse that don't give up gathering. You say, don't give up gathering, but we're not gathering like they gathered. We've yeah. already given up gathering comparatively. They gathered every single day. They yeah. had everything in common. They did everything together. They put all their stuff together and they were together all the time. So we've already given up gathering in comparison. Church changes. So the way that my denomination looks at church is it is, is a historical thing and it has differences. It is expressed different through different contexts and at different eras, right? Culture and context and time impact what church is no and so this idea that we're going to be able to return to the early church or do it like the early church it's not necessary it's not necessary and so we we get this obsession with let's let's go back to how the early church did it if if there are people out there who want to have everything in common and meet together every day and do exactly what the early church did and it it is the intention of their heart to bring glory to god to care for the world around them and to fall deeply in love with jesus i would say i'm all for you guys doing that but if it is just to match the methodology like it's unnecessary right well the story there too i mean i always point out there was a necessity for them to do that they were ostracized and they were cast out as people who had had deviated from the tradition of the temple, right? Like they were seen as idolaters. They were seen as people who were no longer welcome in the community, right? Like that is the context. So in order to survive, they had to have all things in common. They had to sell what they had in order to, hey, you can't afford uh, a meal. I've got you. Hey, you were kicked out of your family's house. Come stay in mine, right? And so there, there is this idea, you know, I, I get it. Hey, let's get back to the way the church was moving. Well, everything about the early church was that everything they had ever known was turned on its head. And which to me, I say, is that not what the digital disruption is doing? And so again, it's the story of what is actually happening inside of these things that we want to, to position as the right thing. The early church had no choice but to depend on one another. They could no longer depend on the structures of society and culture and religion. They had been 
those things were stripped away. And I think it's beautiful. It is beautiful that they would do these things and they would give up their own personal things for the benefit of the community. But it was in the context of if they wanted to survive, if they wanted to have community, there was no other way because there was nothing else for them to go back to. Like that's the reality. And, and we can go, oh, maybe they could have. No, like, I'm again, read this in the context of what's actually happening. The church is doing this in the middle of being persecuted of being dragged from their homes, of being, you know, brought before the religious institutes, right? Like, this is the reality. And it's also why it makes sense, the story of Anna, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, that when they tried to copy something because of methodology, right? Oh, he, you know, he sold all his land. We'll do the same, but we're withholding. Why? Because it's, we want the methodology without the heart mm -hmm. and that is ultimately what i sorry i'm gonna preach here a little bit but that's ultimately what jesus comes and he says look you've heard it said this way but let me tell you that there's a heart behind it that goes deeper you know we've talked about you whitewashed tombs on the show with kevin meyer and like look that there is there's something deeper not kevin meyer um keith, keith. sorry <laughs> sorry keith uh, but we were talking with Keith about the whitewashed tombs, right? And like you, you clean, you wash the outside of the cup, the methodology and the, the, the appearance, but something inside is off. And um, yeah, I just think, you know, uh, for me, when we, yeah, when we critique and communicate that online ministry, digital ministry isn't good because some four method function of in-person church is quote better or purer or truer and then we try to wrap some scriptures around it like a paper mache we have to be careful that we aren't just elevating selfish desires or elevating a twisting of scripture that we may or may not understand how we're doing that yeah. um, I will say, like, when I think through the sacrament part of the conversation, the pushback to online church, I am not at all, like, there are, there is a portion of the church, you know, the high church that is, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's much more sacramental. They're, the carrying out the practice of their faith is, faith. the practice of their faith yeah. is much more sacramental, but for much of much of the church in America, we aren't having communion weekly. And I will tell you, as much as people would say, well, you can't do sacraments online. There are times, there are periods in my life where I think to myself, as someone who loves the church I go to, loves my church family, loves all my pastors, and am perfectly satisfied where I am. Sometimes there are eras in my life where I daydream about going to another church communion service weekly and just having mm -hmm. communion served to me and having these words spoken over me like I don't have this longing to go join another church family or abandon my own what I have a longing for is to hear the oh I've forgotten the word for it, the words that you say when you are administering a sacrament whatever the liturgy 
the liturgy, like to have these things spoken over me. And when I was a, a senior in high school, I, I was brought up in a Presbyterian church. I was sent to Catholic school. So I had a variety of experiences. And as a senior in high school, I began to go to an Episcopal church. Mm-hmm. And every week they had communion and you went through the liturgy and I would get up and walk up to the front and I would kneel and they would come and someone would speak those words directly to me. And I would take the, the wafer and you dip it in the cup and it was precious. I don't know if there are people from that tradition who I would love to hear if they learned how to effectively make that happen for their people online. That, that's part of the reason I get, I go, this is the hardest one for me. Yeah. Because there's, when I think about it in the tradition I'm in, I can go back and forth. I can go all over like, well, we're not doing it the way that, that they did back then, but is the way they did back then. Like, well, I mean, we're doing it the way we do it now. Right. Um, right. And we don't do it, but you know, seven, eight, four to eight times a year or four to 12 times a year or however most of mainline denominations or evangelical church does it, it fits in. That's the one sticking point. And the other is baptism. And that's why mm. I talked about DJ Soto's church. Cause I know that he's done virtual baptisms. Yes. Um, we had, we talked to Lindsay Murphy and we asked her about the sacraments. And she said that if there's somebody who needs to get baptized as an online pastor, what she does, she's agreed to either go out to them, get in the, get, go to their area and baptize them or to connect to a local pastor in the area and say, this person has come to faith and they are looking to be baptized. Will you baptize them? And she said that part of that is being committed to the church, not just a church. Yep. Yeah, and and that that I think also it's something we've kind of hinted at is that there's an approach to digital online hybrid ministry that says we're gonna do what it takes to make this work. And so yeah, you know, we have an online gathering. And if someone ends up coming to the faith, we're gonna go. If they need to learn what it is to have communion, we're going to go and do that. If they uh, need somewhere to serve, and we're going to do the work that it takes to connect them with a church organization, a person, a smaller gathering. I know plenty of online churches that have now figured out, hey, we have a, a small pod of people across on the East Coast. Let's start gathering them together or a small pod in in a city and let's start gathering together so that they are interacting and engaging with an online stream or with an online zoom call, but together. And it's taking the approach of digital and then in-person when it's beneficial. Right. And it's saying, it's not taking one over the other. It's saying, let's use a tool. And then when the other tool is more useful, we're going to use it you know, and, and it's not um, devaluing one over the other. It's saying that they work in tandem because this is what it's going to take to, to accomplish the mission, the work of the gospel in our specific context. And I think, you know, we can go on and on about critiques about digital church and online church. Uh, 
and we could punch back with our own critiques, right? And, and we've done a little bit of, I've done a little bit of that. Uh, but I think ultimately it's saying again, hey, there is this tool and the majority of the developed world and even beyond, and, and I know how that can sound, but I just mean like, <laughs> there is this tool that <laughs> a lot of the world is using. And if the church is saying, not on my watch, I'm not, I'm not going to touch it. Then what we're effectively saying is like, we have no power over that tool. We have no power to implement that tool in a way that is safe, that is safe in the, in the means of that can't be used for harm. That we can implement this tool in a way that is effective and that we can implement this tool in a way that furthers the things that we're already doing. And it, I just, uh, sorry, I'm ranting now. I just don't understand how we can look at something and, and see that, well, if the world is, is using it for impact, if Satan, because that's the argument, the enemy is using this for impact, and that we go, well, we're not going to touch it. We're too afraid to touch it. We don't understand it, and we're not willing to. Like that's that's where it breaks down for me. Is it's not that hey, I don't understand it. It's too complicated. But it's I'm not willing to go figure out who knows it, who can teach me, and to put the time in to then be able to use it effectively. When you say like it's so dark, that people will tell you we are more divided than ever, and it is because of social media. Right. And like it is so divisive and it is designed to divide. And so we are in a worse place as a society than we have ever been. Yeah. And I want to sometimes look at them and say, friends, if you're talking about America, there was a period of time in America where brothers literally killed brothers over the right to own people. Yeah. And we are more divided now. Like we are in a darker place now. I'm not sure that that is a fair statement. Maybe we are in a darker place than we have been since the 80s when most of the people who are alive now have been alive and aware who are now giving that critique. They're old enough and giving that critique. But we just aren't in a darker place than the world has ever been. Yeah. We just aren't. We're not in the darkest place our country has ever been. And that narrative is just a little silly. Yeah. It's, it's, I understand that we are, that division is prominent. I understand that there are people who have been greatly impacted negatively by social media. That only to me gives greater call for Christians to be on social media and using it for God's glory. There, it was not a place so dark that Jesus was afraid of it. And so we should not be afraid of the dark either. And we should be asking for wisdom. Yes. Because that, that to, to me also says that if we're not willing to ask for wisdom to enter into a place where we don't necessarily know how, what we're effectively saying is like, until I understand it, until I can control it, until I have the means 
to move as I want to. It's, it's more of a, a power knowledge grab, not necessarily a grab, but it's more of this like control thing that if it's within my means, instead of saying, hey, I don't know how to do this, but what I do see is that God is moving in it. Um, I do see that there is opportunity um, to be involved in taking this good news of Jesus into a place that is so dark, supposedly, that God won't work in it. Well, I'm going to have the mustard seed faith that he does want to. And I'm going to ask him, Lord, I'm going because I see this. I see that there are spaces. Um, you know, you always constantly work against people who say you can't do something, um, are not able to do something. You're the God who is he. And so it, for me, it's this thing of, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll be honest here. Like, I've been looking at it going like, how do I continue on in digital ministry when I don't know the ins and outs of digital ministry, the ins and outs of VR? It's thinking about how do I go and build a, a little world and, you know, do I want to invest in that? And it's, for me, it was like, well, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I have the know-how. And, and there was a point where I had to go, okay, but are you willing to learn? And yeah. you, you know, the tools and Hector bing, 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 you're part of a digital church network. Yeah. Are you willing to use the resources that are at your fingertips, your little fingertips, fingertips to try and to ask and to rely on something other than yourself to be involved in the work that God has placed to call on you for, you know? And so anyway. Well, when um, any missionary that wants to go someplace, like they have to invest the time in learning the language and learning the culture and learning how to interact in that space, you know? It, and so, but like you might not know all of VR and all of digital everything, but you right. know Jesus and like you're not unless you're trying to become a VR rep, you don't I don't know that you need to know everything about VR. Right. Like you said, you just need to source or resource those to do if that's something that that you want to be involved with. Or find out the way that you can support those who are because not everybody's called to everything Amen. you know i think that that's part that can be part of these people who push back on it it's i think part of it is just that they're pushing back on it because they can't figure it out like you said it's their own lack of know-how yeah. um, and they don't want to appear it would be better to say that that thing is not a good thing than to say, I am unable to do it. And so like, I think there's space to say like, not everybody out there is called to digital ministry. I yeah. do think that if you are on social media, that you need to be discipled, that we need to be discipling all of our people who are on social media enough that they are able to represent jesus faithfully yep I, I think that that is i think that that is critical just yep. as i think that we would not decide that we will never 
tell our people how to behave in Target. Yeah. And if every time our people went into Target, they were stealing stuff and knocking stuff over and swearing at people and whatever, making poor Target choices. Eventually we would say, hey guys, hey church, when we go into Target, maybe don't steal stuff and knock stuff over. Act like a Christian in Target. Mm-hmm. Like we would, we should also tell them to act like a Christian online and teach yeah. them how. Did your parents ever tell you, you know, when you go out into public, yeah. people know whose you are. Yeah. You're a Martinez, you know, like for me, well, you're a Martinez. Oh, no, you're, you are a Martinez, but you know, you, you go misbehave. I'm going to hear about it too, you know? Yeah. And so it's this thing of, of, of like, realize who you're representing. Yeah. And if it, we just, we have to be like willing, like you were saying, sir, we have to be willing to tell our people, like the way you behave online is real and it is important. And there's a way to go about it that represents not just yourself well, right? But that yeah. represents Jesus well. And that either creates opportunities for doors to be opened or closes those doors pretty significantly, pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, to people hearing, you know, anything about the church and about what Jesus is. And here, here's the thing, the, the real needy part of behave online is that the church is in the public right now it just is you know and and you can like we can inside the church can say oh but that's one denomination that's in the public eye that's another denomination that's in the public eye but to the world who has no idea of the inner workings of the church all they see is those weird christians those absolute terrible vile self-serving Christians. And if we're not in the spaces that they are changing that narrative, I just don't know what we're doing. Yeah. This is out of place. I did I did want to say that going back to DJ Soto who does the virtual baptisms, right? Yeah. Um I I think when I come back around to it, I might not understand it, but I can't deny that the, the if I say it's true that the Holy Spirit can work online, and if I say, like, if I believe the baptism is an outward sign of an inward change, like, it might seem a little, a little out there to me, but just because I don't understand it doesn't mean the Lord can't mm. do it, you know? Yeah. His ways aren't my ways. Yeah. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so if he wants to use VR baptism to bring someone to expressing their, their commitment to Christ, to a gathered body, then. And it's in the public, right? Like it's a public thing. And what's more public than a VR church that's getting streamed, you know, that, you know, is being shared on the internet, you know, like. Anyway. All right. Hector, you have more thoughts. Well, I have a lot of thoughts. I don't know if I have many that are uh, pertinent. Yeah, to this conversation i have a lot of thoughts yeah but no i I think this you know this this conversation is was good and i think just getting back into thinking about social media ministry and the way that god wants to work 
I think if there is some sort of, if you're listening and you're like, well, here's a pushback I have that you haven't talked about, like, let us know, comment on our Twitter page or reach out to us and let us know. And we'd love to have that conversation and think through it because we're willing to think through challenges. And, but also if you're listening and it's like, I don't know, I don't know if I agree with any of this, like, don't, don't count the Lord out. You know, he is refining the church as he said he would. And don't count it out. Don't give up hope that, um, that the Lord can use whatever he wants. Um, and I just would ask that, um, if nothing else, that you wouldn't discredit those who have a different call or a different method than you because we have the same Lord. Amen. So it's been good getting back in the groove, back into conversation with you, Hector. Yeah, it's been great. I'm looking forward to more conversations. Yeah. Uh, maybe 40 more. We'll do, well, let's just do 40 episode seasons. It's a lot of conversations, a lot of good ones. And I'm sure we could do 18,000 seasons if we wanted to. I, at 18,000 seasons at 40 episodes a season and we record an average of like 1.2 a week 1.02 a week because occasionally we do two a week um that would take what's 18,000 times 40 plus then there's the summer the like the like 12 weeks we took off 720,000 episodes 720,000 episodes plus 12 times 18,000 which is the amount of breaks we would take. It, it'd take a lot. It'd take a lot of time. It'd take a lot of time. <laughs> We're not going to do 18,000 seasons. It was just a number, you know? It's uh, a too big number. It's a too big number. It well, is. anyway, this has been a great conversation. I look forward to more. And <laughs> thank you for listening to today's conversation. We look forward to more conversations. Again, that's the third time. That's how much we're looking forward to it. We're starting guest recordings next week. And so I'm so excited for the, the guests that we have already in line, the yes. guests that we want to have in line. And, you know, if you are listening and you're like, man, I've listened to you on and on for a year now, and I would just love to have a conversation, reach out. There's a, a way to do that in the description of the podcast, the show notes. That's the correct term, the show notes, not the description. And the on Twitter, reach out to us on Twitter. We'd love to have you on the show. Set up a Zoom call, and uh, just get yeah, get more conversation going. Hey, again, I'm I'm open to it. If you got critique, you want to come on the show and let's let's have a conversation. Um, we'd love to do that. Hey, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.